Jesus was so magnetic and charismatic in his earthly ministry that huge crowds followed him wherever he went. But in chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel, there's something quite interesting that is recorded there. This is what the first three verses tell us. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spake this parable to them, saying, Now in a moment, we'll look at what he told them. But let us try to grasp the scenario here first. There are four subgroups within the huge crowds around Jesus here. They are tax collectors. They are also called publicans. They were notoriously dishonest and they were the social outcasts of that day. They were the most hated persons in the community as they were considered traitors and kislings, having the power of Rome behind them. The next group were the sinners. All men from Adam down are in this category. For the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then there were the other group, the Pharisees. They were the religious zealots. Those who were out, outwardly religious, self-righteous, they were self-righteous hypocrites who condemned everybody else. And the fourth group were the scribes. They were the experts at copying scripture and they saw themselves as the only ones to interpret scripture. And uh, whatever was true of the Pharisees was also true of the scribes. Now when we look at the motives of all four groups in uh, the verses we read, the tax collectors and the sinners, they were attracted to Jesus and they came to hear him. But the others, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, they came to find fault with Jesus and to condemn him. See, they were always looking for things to accuse Jesus of. And uh, true to form, they began to accuse Jesus right here and say, this man, he receives sinners and eats with them. Now, they make their accusation and they are absolutely right, right on target that this man receives sinners. They underscore the very reason why Jesus Christ came to planet earth, which was to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to save sinners. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save sinners. He will save people from their sins. So in reality, they were actually proclaiming 
the glorious gospel that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So here we see one group, they were desiring to hear him, and uh, the other group, uh, those seeking to find fault and condemn him. So the scripture says, so he spake this parable to them, saying, now, chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel records three consecutive parables that Jesus spoke. And he spoke those three parables in response to the accusation of the scribes and Pharisees that he received sinners and eats with them. Now, the first parable brings before us a shepherd seeking a lost sheep and uh, our lord jesus christ he is the chief shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep to save us all we all who are like sheep lost and gone astray the bible says the second parable that jesus tells is about a woman who seeks after a coin lost in her house and the third was about finding a lost son now depending on whether you want to keep telling the story it goes on to tell of a brother who is lost and he too like the coin is lost in the confines of the house but in each case there is a finding and wherever there is a finding there's always joy in the finding and the great joy for us today for every one of us uh, today is that this god this god of ours he receives people like you and me and uh, right there that's enough, my friend, to rejoice over. But more than that, when we look at our own lives and consider where God has brought us from, what we have been through, and who we are today, there is so much, so much to rejoice over that God, He still seeks and He still receives unto Himself people like you and me hallelujah now let's look at the contrast that jesus makes as he takes us on this journey now in the parable um the first parable he talks about a man a shepherd losing a sheep through heedlessness and now he is talking about a woman, a woman losing a coin in the confine of a house because of carelessness. So he makes this grand contrast just to show that everybody, everybody is special to God. So for my text this morning, I am looking at the parable of the lost coin as recorded 
in Luke chapter 15, and I'm reading from verses 8 through 10. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one, Jesus is, is saying. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My topic is a celebration of discovery, the lost coin. Yes, a celebration of discovery, a lost coin. Now, this is an invitation to a celebration, a celebration of discovery of the lost coin and also the significance of that celebration of discovery. Now, there are some discoveries that can cause celebrations. Some celebrations are because we were searching, looking for something, and uh, we found something. And then there are other celebra celebrations. You were really not looking for anything, yet you found something. But whether you are searching or not, finding something, my friend, finding something most times is an occasion for celebration. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us in this trinity of parables in Luke chapter 15. The bottom line is that there ought to be joy in finding something that was lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. That's the tr uh, trinity. Here, once again, Jesus finds himself with an audience comprised not of the morally fit, but of the morally unfit. Many of, of them would have made a mess out of their lives. And then there is a group, uh, they are in the backdrop, eavesdropping, and uh, they are murmuring, they are making accusations while another group draws near to Jesus, uh, giving him their strict attention. And uh, here we see Jesus is talking to them, talking to men and women whose hopes in life have been deferred, men and women whose dreams have turned into nightmares, and now he is trying to rebirth hope that has died and gone, gone away from them. So we get to our text where Jesus, he delves into the whole condition of lostness. Now, several years ago, you may have been one of the cult 
followers of a TV series called Lost. And Lost was about being lost. That's genius. Now, a flight that took off from Australia to Los Angeles experienced some difficulties along the way and crashed on an island. Now, before that crash, let's call that island Eden, Paradise. And now, after the crash, we'll call it Paradise Lost because of the lostness of the people on it who are lost. Now, one of the principal characters in uh, this um, t uh, TV series, he opens up the drama by saying, we are lost. And if we are going to survive, we will have to hang together. And then there were two questions, a physical question and a spiritual question, because the writer of Lost was actually writing the whole series from biblical New Testament themes found primarily in the Gospels. Now, one of the themes is that you can be physically lost that regardless of your station in life, regardless of your occupation or your position, those things, they have nothing to do with your lostness. The people that were lost in Lost, they were professionals, they were doctors, attorneys, judges, bankers, criminals that had turned uh, priests, they were mothers, fathers, children. I'm talking about the whole gamut of humanity, symbolizing that the whole of humanity was lost. And it was pointed out to the world that at some time or another, everybody is lost. And the spiritual tension of the stories is we're still talking about the, the TV series Lost. So the spiritual tension uh, was, was this, can we be found? That's the people who are lost on this island. Can we be redeemed? Is there anyone at all who can find us? Now remember to keep in mind that behind this whole series, the themes, the writer's themes came from the biblical New Testament. And uh, those questions reveal the very same tension of mankind today. That is, you know, the tension that you and I have to live with today, which is, where is my redemption? Where can I find it? And somebody here this morning, because of some, you know, notation of lostness in you. You are telling yourself, you know what? I need to get my life together. Something is missing in me. There's got to be more to life than getting up, going to work, and coming back home. 
there's got to be more than going to bed, getting up, eating, going to work, coming back home. There's got to be more to life than that. To go to work, to get back home, to go to bed, to get up, to repeat the same cycle day after day, day after day, over and over again. There's a hole in my life that needs to be filled. That is what you're saying. I've tried to fill it with the opposite sex. I've tried to fill it with things, probably with, with sports, with recreation, even work. Try to fill it with friends, with money, with education, with degrees, with travel, with cars. I've tried all of those things and I am still empty. I am lost. Lord, can you find me? And uh, for the rest of us here this morning, we ought to be shouting and clapping because there was a time when all of us were lost and the only reason we are here now is because the Lord has found us. So here's the comparison. So Jesus brings it out like this. Suppose a woman has 10 coins and loses one. Now, this silver coin uh, may be a, a Greek drachma or a Roman denarius. See? And uh, uh, this could have been part of her dowry that she wears around her neck. Now, for this woman, that coin that was lost may have been the difference between her eating and her not eating. The difference between paying the light bill and not paying the light bill. This would have been a very significant piece of coinage for her. Most likely a day's work of resources that has been lost. So, Suppose, like this woman Jesus is saying here, something that's valuable is lost. Suppose you lose it, Jesus is saying. So the question now becomes, how did it get lost? See, the shepherd, he lost his sheep by heedlessness. And here now the emphasis changes. The woman, she lost her coin through carelessness. It slips somehow from her person. It just slips out, out of her hands and it becomes lost, gone, carelessly gone. See? Have you ever thought of people who are lost that same way? People who are lost because of our carelessness. Now, if this parable is just about a coin, then a, a coin can be blamed uh, uh, for being lost, since obviously it would have no consciousness of it being lost or uh, it being sought after by somebody. 
See, that, that piece of money, that coin, would have been quite content to be on the floor in the dust there, as it would have been content to be in the purse of its owner. And uh, it is just so, my friend, uh, with the sinner who is lost and spiritually dead in sin, he is unconscious of his condition. He is ignorant of his condition. But if he were to come to a place where he recognized a sense of lostness in him, we will know that there's already a work of grace, some work of grace that is beginning to take place in him because the Bible says that no man can come to God except the Father, Father draws him. See? Now, when a sinner, when he knows that he is lost and he comes to a place where he is no longer contented with his condition, whenever a sinner begins to cry out for mercy, that is evidence in itself that the finding work of Holy Spirit, which is the same thing as the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that saving grace, that finding of uh, that finding work of Holy Spirit has already begun in the life of that person. So the coin is therefore totally dependent on this woman. That's where Jesus knows that that's where the story gives all of us a chance to put ourselves in it. But unlike the coin that has no moral responsibility in this whole affair, every one of us, every human being, by virtue of free will and uh, 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 good conscience, uh, carries a moral responsibility to respond uh, to God's light, uh, who is Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that light, the Bible says, that has come into the darkness of this world. So opposite to, you know, the coin, we, every human being, every human being, every lost person has a moral responsibility to respond to God's light. The Bible says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. So uh, there's no excuse uh, of, of uh, that li about light not coming into the world. Light is in the world and when light comes in darkness, light dispels the darkness. And we and, and each human being has a moral responsibility to respond to that light. Let me, let, let me say this. You can grow up in a home where your dad is a, a deacon or a minister or a pastor, whatever have you. You can grow up in a home like that and still be lost. You can grow up in a home where your mother teaches in the Sunday school class and still be lost. You know, you can, uh, you could have grown up in the children's ministry in church. 
transition to the youth ministry and still be lost. But at the end of the day, my friend, you do have a moral responsibility to turn in the direction of God so that you could be found. Every human being, every human being on this planet carries that responsibility. There are some powerful truths in this story of the lost coin. Uh, there are some powerful truths about lostness that I would like to bring forward that will support a lot of what I have been saying already. Number one, though the coin is lost, it has not lost its value. Let me say that again. Though the coin is lost, it has not lost its value. And everyone here today born again by the spirit of god we all you know we have all been lost and we serve god now only because we have been found so you don't let lost prevent you from coming to the lord because uh, lost does not reduce your value God knows what he has put in you, you see. God knows what he has invested in you. And now he wants that back from you so that he can sanctify and use it for greater good and for his greater glory and use it for the extension of his kingdom right here on planet Earth. See? Uh, look, check this. When you would have passed passed on from this life you don't want people saying that uh you just came here for a little while and then you left you don't want that to be your legacy no you want to leave a contribution behind you would want to say i came here and i left my fingerprints on the walls of humanity and now i heard my lord say servant well done hallelujah so because of the value of the coin we see that the woman she lights a candle to search for it and notice how she gets on her knees and sweeps the house notice she does not sweep carelessly yes the coin is lost because of carelessness but read it read it in the text she sweeps uh, out of carefulness she's no longer careless here she is careful so she is now sweeping inch at a time hoping that the bristles of the broom would probably break against the coinage and she would probably hear something or she would probably see a glint cast by the lighted candle a glint on the coin so she could reach and rescue it so 
She is not searching carelessly. She is searching carefully. And she is now on her knees, looking, searching, searching until she finds it. And uh, she does not do what she is doing here out of convenience or comfort. No, she is working hard because what she is doing now is hard work. This is what the Bible calls, my friend, putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. This is serious commitment. This is sacrifice. This is knee ministry for the lost. It is hard work. Yes. Now, her seeking for the lost here became a matter of chief concern for her and uh, obviously what uh, whatever the business she had to do she put it all by just to find the lost coin probably grinding of the corn for the morning meal you know she may have left it unprepared water to be drawn or the fire to be kindled they were left undone for here there was an urgency to find that lost coin immediately as soon as possible now the same thing should be said about the church of the living god that our chief concern ought to be to seek you know the perishing souls of men anywhere and everywhere. Brothers and sisters, to, it is about bringing souls to know Jesus Christ, to be saved with so great a salvation. And that ought to be the great longing and concern of every believer. Christians ought to, or should have such an engrossing love for the lost, for sinners, that anything at all that would hinder them from winning souls, anything else that uh, would demand their attention and distract them from this core responsibility, that anything like that would become irksome and impossible pertinent and distasteful for that believer all the time because first and foremost the business of the church is always to win souls and to bring men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That is what we must be devoted to and uh, ought to be the very reason for our existence, not only as believers, but as a body of believers called the church. Principle number two, the silver coin was lost, but it was not forgotten. This woman, she knew that she had 10 pieces of silver. And uh, she now had only nine. So she remembered that 
there was one more that belonged to her, one more that was hers, one more that ought to have been in her hands. And uh, this is our hope for the unsaved, my friend, that they are lost, but they are not forgotten because the heart of uh, the Father is drawing them to Him all the time. That's God's heart. He owns them, you see, by virtue of creation. And even though the lost, the, the unsaved, although they are far off, far away from Him, ignorant, callous, careless, dead in sins, yet the Bible says that Holy Spirit is drawing them, drawing them, drawing them with an everlasting love that comes from the Father in heaven. Yes, they are remembered, they are not forgotten. And I want you to see this about ownership. The woman said, uh, my peace which was lost, my peace, meaning when she lost the possession of this coin. She did not uh, lose the right to it. She was still its owner. So it did not become somebody else's uh, when it slipped out of her hand and fell to the floor. And this is so critical when we are warring for the souls of men uh, on our knees, uh, when we are interceding for the lost, uh, we, when we are warring for the souls of men who, who Christ has died for, because the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So the lost, my friend, they do not belong to Satan, even when they are dead in trespasses and sins, even when they are not yet saved. Even when they are lost, they do not belong to Satan. They are God's possessions. See? So, they are lost, you know, only temporarily. They are lost only temporarily. That is provided that we reach them on time. Because hear what God says in His Word. Your covenant with Death is disannulled. Uh, uh, your covenant with death is disannulled. He is speaking to the lost. And your agreement with hell shall not stand. You have sold yourselves for naught, and you shall be redeemed without money. Hallelujah. And this is the hope of every born-again believer in Christ that there is a people, there's still a people whom the Lord remembers and whom he will never forget, although they will forget him. And you want to know the proof of uh, what I just said? Look, here I am this morning, sent to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to you, to tell you that God remembers you and he has thoughts of love only concerning you. 
to tell you that 2,000 years ago, his love for you, see, in a person called Jesus Christ, hung on a tree on Calvary's hill. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That if I am here to tell you that if you would turn from your sin and accept God's free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, you would live and not die. Hallelujah! Because the gospel is the power of God. It's God's power unto salvation to all them who would believe. Who would believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world and that he rose from the dead the third day and that he is coming back again to receive unto himself all who would believe on his name. God offers this hope to every backslidden Christian here today as well that if you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah! So this woman, she swept and she swept and she swept looking for this lost coin. She must have wept while she swept, wept out of desire, out of commitment, out of concern, and she pursues that lost coin until she finds it. Now, when I think of my own salvation in being here today, when I think of the mind of the Spirit of God in pursuit of me over many, many decades, pursuing me until I came to faith, I have come to realize that it was not done hopelessly. And that's principle number three. The joy we have today in reaching lost souls is, is that they are not hopelessly lost. That though they are dead in sin, there is the quickening power of Holy Spirit that can make them live again. Hallelujah. Faith Community Church, listen, our silver coin, our piece of money has not fallen where we cannot find it. Lost souls, how lost they are, however lost they are, they can still be found. They are not hopelessly lost. Listen to me, the fallen coins, the lost coins around us, they are not past hope, my friend. Though they may dwell in the worst dens of sin in our communities and in our villages and in our towns, though they be the biggest prostitutes, 
and, and, and the biggest criminals and thieves and drunkards and pipers and drug addicts, they are still not beyond the reach of mercy. And Faith Community Church, hear me well. While those possibilities of mercy still remain, let us gird up our loins and become soul winners. Let us resolve by the grace of Almighty God that every hour of hope given to us, given to you, given to me to reach the lost, will be seized upon by every one of us while it is yet day, while, uh, while we can still work. Let that be our commitment. There is hope. So this woman, she sought for her piece of silver. She sought for it continuously, continuously. And she was not prepared to give up until she found it. She sets her heart uh, to find her money so much so that the Bible says she lit a candle. And that's principle number four. She was maximizing all her available resources to find that lost coin. Now, in Eastern houses, the windows, there were only little slits in the side of the wall. So the rooms, they were very, very dark. And even up to this day, Oriental houses are very dark. And uh, something, if something had to be looked for, it had to be looked for with a candle back then. Even at high noon, even in the middle of the day, now, Holy Spirit, He uses the light, the glorious light, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to convict men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. And it is my humble prayer that all believers in Christ would rise up in earnest zeal and what I call laborious self-sacrifice in becoming lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in the midst of darkness, to search out and to find out lost souls. So here, this woman, she was not content even with a candle because she got herself a broom and she swept the house. That tells me, and I believe it underscores the truth, that the tone of evangelism today, the tone of outreach in the church today is so low that if that standard is not raised with greater urgency and great, greater fervency, Faith Community Church, listen, we would lose the end-time harvest of souls that God has ordained for us. Yes, so we have to raise the level of fervency and the level of urgency in reaping that end-time harvest. Jesus said they are ripe, 
already to harvest. We cannot procrastinate. We have to get on the job yesterday. It is so urgent. So we must use the best possible methods. We must use all the possible methods for that matter. See, we must use them to sweep the whole house of our neighborhoods. Yes. We must see an earnest uh, uh, house sweeping confession of sin. Uh, an, uh, an earnest house sweeping confession of, of, of sin and revival. See, at our prayer meetings. So our prayer meetings must, must, not, must not be something uh, dormant. See, we, it's got to be dynamic. It's got to carry life. And we've we got to, uh, to have the life of God reviving us in our prayer meetings because that's where the battle begins, on our knees. That's where we need revival, on our knees. See, so we've got to see that kind of earnest revival taking place in us and uh, our neighborhoods. We want to see our neighborhoods, including the city of San Fernando. We want to see our neighborhoods. They must be swept, ransacked, stirred. I mean, turned over time and time again. We've got to do it time and time again until every last soul that is uh, committed to us, every last soul is rich for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a church that is really hungry for souls will endeavor to penetrate the, the, the gloom of poverty and, and will endeavor to stir the citadel, citadels of licentious living. See? The church, we got to rise up and hunt high and low in order to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. So evangelism must become our main, our flagship ministry. Evangelism and discipleship. We, we've got to become more focused and intentional in those areas. So here is the woman with candle, broom, eyesight, strength, faculties of mind and limb. They are all focused, all concentrated, all employed and all deployed in searching for her lost treasure. Now the wisdom and power of Holy Spirit together with all the living giftings and anointings and uh, subs the substance uh, of, uh, that is in the church must always be fully engaged to earnestly seek after souls. And that will only happen, my friend, when Holy Spirit gets back into his church, when he is truly once more back into his church. So she persevered. She sought for her piece of silver continuously. She sought and she sought. She went after it until 
she found it. So eventually, she found that one coin. She found that one coin and started rejoicing because what was lost had now been found. Now, let me just back up here a little. In, it was, I think, the year 2000. And the report stated that somebody went into the National Museum of Arts in Paris and snatched one of Picasso's famous paintings off the wall and ran off with, with it. Now, 14 years later, when one day Homeland Security, they were looking through containers that were marked low-value handicraft, they look inside one of those containers and Eureka. They did not know what they were looking at, but eventually they discovered that they had found Picasso's piece that had been stolen, valued at over $15 million. Now, when they found that, nobody had to tell them, well, turn to your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. No! They knew that they had found something precious. And when you know that you have found something of value, my friend, no one, no one, nobody has to stir you up to rejoice. No, you will rejoice. Because when you know that you have found a Picasso, you've got to shout about that. So our text says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. So the greater her trouble in searching, the higher her joy in finding. Yes, yes, there's joy in the church of Jesus Christ when sinners are converted. There is rejoicing in heaven amongst the angels when one sinner repents. So she calls her friends, she calls her neighbors to share her joy. And I believe this is where the church misses it. Because we do not treat our friends and neighbors with enough respect to invite them to share our joy because we see it as an in-house thing only and not an occasion to include others as well especially those that are with, within the, uh, the, the uh, close geography of our church so although it is a personal joy when somebody gets saved see when it's uh, although it is personal when somebody comes to faith and although it is joyful in the church, in the house, in a corporate way, when souls come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is also a present joy, a living joy, that I believe we need to include everybody else. In some way or the other, a tremendous, tremendous uh, principle. But the chief joy which swallows all others is the joy both in heaven and in earth over the lost soul which after much weeping 
after much sweeping, after much searching, is found at last. There is no joy as a person who knows that he is born again. When you know that you have been redeemed, when you know that your life has been turned around, when you know that you are not what you used to be, you will have your own shout, my friend. You will have your own unique, peculiar shout, your own praise, your own thanksgiving, your own hallelujahs. And when you know that you know that you know that you know what the Lord has done for you, you will tell people, if you knew what the Lord has done for me, you too will shout in my place. And I'm speaking to somebody here this morning, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as Lord and Savior, or if you are backslidden and you've grown cold in Christ, God is saying to you this morning that he has placed great value upon you. He is saying to you that he has not forgotten you. Now to the unsaved, God offers you his free gift of salvation right now. And while I'm speaking, if you feel a stir in the inside, if you feel the, the Spirit of God drawing you, drawing you in the inside, all you've got to do is to yield yourself to Him because the Spirit of God has been searching for you, has been seeking after you for a long, 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 long time. And all you've got to do is to just open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. And to you, believer in Christ, your status now is one of being backslidden. You have grown cold and you have moved away from your first love. You no longer enjoy a, a close relationship with Jesus. You no longer have a, a quality prayer time and spend time in the Word of God. You miss church. You, you see, you too, you are sensing a stirring in the inside. That's Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that you, though backslidden, you are still God's ownership. You are still God's handiwork. You are still God's masterpiece. And if you will only hearken to his voice and turn back to him in true repentance, repentance he will lay his hands on you this morning and turn your whole life around hallelujah and now for the rest of us this is our time for all of us to say thank you jesus for saving me thank you jesus for giving me a future and a hope thank you jesus for eternal life because you are my safe place that I can run into and be kept by your mighty hands. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me something called eternity to be with you. 
to live with you forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Let us take a moment and pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving us through your precious blood that shed on Calvary's cross. And thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of Holy Spirit today who gives us a witness of eternity in the inside. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of Christ who empowers us to live lives of overcoming victory every day and who empowers us to be witnesses unto you lord jesus to deliver the good news to all who are lost and dying that you lord jesus that you came to seek and to save all those who are lost raise us up mighty god to be able witnesses of your life and of your love and put a compassion in our hearts, a hunger, let it be like fire shut up in our bones to reach lost souls before it is too late for your honor and glory. Amen and amen. And now if you would stand and receive the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you richly. See you next week.